This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, let's do this podcast. What's going on, everyone? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to episode 140 of the Moranalytics podcast, presented by Paul Cellular. Today is Friday, August 2nd, 2019. Thank you, as always, for listening, for downloading. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do so right now. Coming up on today's episode, I hooked up on late Thursday night with my man, Joe Yurden from The Athletic. Third time he's been on the podcast, but first time we actually got together in person. In fact, this is actually the first time that I got an opportunity to meet Joe. And I don't know where this noted jerk stuff comes from on Twitter, but you guys are crazy because Joe, without question, is one of the coolest, nicest people I've ever met in the Buffalo sports media. And I'm not just saying that, man. I really legitimately mean it. It was a fun conversation, covered a lot of ground. Continuing the Wings With tour, so to speak, on this podcast while I'm in Buffalo here on this little workation. Tuesday, I had Sal Capaccio. From WGR, we did O'Neill's. And on Thursday, Joe and I got together and we went to the Essex Street Pub on Rhode Island Street on the west side of Buffalo. I talk about a cool place, man, with a lot of history. Love that place. It's been around for a long time. If you're from the city of Buffalo, especially the west side, you know all about Essex Street Pub. Just a great place, man. Great place to drink, man. Good eats, good people, good bartenders, good jukebox, good everything. So anyway, we hooked up there at Essex Street Pub. Joe and I spent some time talking about the West Side because he lives literally just a couple blocks away from the Essex Street Pub. So we talked some West Side, some generalities with the city of Buffalo, a lot of things that are going on over the last couple of years that has him excited. Joe moved to Buffalo, I think it was in 2013. So he wasn't there for a lot of the lean years, but obviously people, and again, if you're from Buffalo or you know about Buffalo, you know. That is definitely a town on the rise. So we spent some time talking about that. We also spent time talking about the athletics, especially now on the football side. Joe B joined in and that was such a big get for uh, for the athletics. So he's excited about that, obviously. Sports fans should be as well. And then we take a little break, get some wings from Essex Street Pub. We'll talk about those after that break. And then we bang right into some Saber stuff, man. And that I mean, that's what Joe does, right? At the end of the day. The Sabres beat writer for The Athletic, and we spent a lot of time talking about the Sabres. He gives his takes on if he thinks Rasmus Rissolainen will be a Buffalo Sabre come opening night, how some of the four lines may shake out, including who he thinks will probably end up playing with Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner on that first line. 
his thoughts on who would be the best defensive pairing to go with. Rasmus Dahlin going into his second year. Talk a little bit about Tage Thompson. Uh, the goaltending, which nobody talks about the goaltending, by the way. I don't know why. Goaltending is such an important position in hockey, but yet people talk forever on Twitter or podcasts and stuff, and you barely hear goaltending talk. So anyway, he's got plenty of thoughts on the goaltenders, and then he gives us, which in fairness, he'll have a right to to change his mind because it is only the beginning of August. The Sabres might not even be done making moves yet, but where he sees his team right now, if the season were to start right now, I asked Joe where he sees his team, and he gives a nice, honest answer, man. So. Really good interview, like Joe a lot, good person, good conversation, great vibe. And real quick, before I get going with this, again, I got to thank the Essex Street Pub. We were going to tape outside on their patio, quickly realized that wasn't going to work. Had some little kids coming up to us asking us if they if we could play, like like the microphone and the recorder and stuff, like there were toys, uh, they had a fire truck. Station, literally two buildings next door, which I should have known. I've been in Essex Street Pub before. I forgot about that, though. Those went on and off a couple times. Just a lot of motorcycles and shit going on. So outside was not going to work. Mackie hooked us up, brought us inside, gave us a nice quiet table near the back, turned down the jukebox some, encouraged the patrons, the regulars in the bar to keep it down a little bit so that me and Joe could have a decent recording. And again, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, it's not going to have that same studio quality sound that you're probably accompanying to hearing. But it's not bad. And more importantly, instead of me being on a microphone and Joe being 1,300 miles away via Skype, we're literally sitting across the table face-to-face. It was a fun conversation, a good one. Nice guy. Plenty to say. Not going to waste any more time here at the top. Let's just get right into it. Here's my interview with Joe Yurden from The Athletic late Thursday night at the Essex Street Pub. Let's do it. All right, I am joined right now. Actually, you know what? Before I introduce my guest, let me set the setting here. Sitting here inside the Essex Street Pub on Rhode Island, right off Richmond Avenue in the heart of the west side of Buffalo. I am being joined right now by recurring guest Joe Yurden, Buffalo Sabres beat writer for The Athletic. Recurring guest, because this is the third time I've actually had you on the podcast. <laughs> However, this is really cool, man, because this is the first time that we've actually had a chance to meet in person and do this in person. So I'm a little more pumped than usual to have you on, man. How are you doing? What's up? Uh, I'm doing great. It's uh, it, it's awesome you picked this place because this is you, you're in my neighborhood. You're literally in my neighborhood. How close do you live from here? I, I live basically around the corner. That's crazy, um, man. It's, uh, it's nuts because this, this neighborhood is becoming the new it spot. Like, There's all kinds of like new stuff opening up sure you go down rhode island there's all kinds of new stuff that's opened up recently and more coming on the way so i'm sure my rent's gonna go go right through the roof soon <laughs> well a quick little backstory here man the owner of this joint mackie morberly that's my guy man i've known him for 40 years now we played little loop football together west side football at lasalle park when we were literally just eight years old so man known to do for 40 years man i'm so happy for him and all his success i really like this place a lot. I grew up on the west side, just like you're living now. I mean, mm. I grew up on the other part of the west side, kind of near the Elmwood Strip Forest Avenue, but very familiar with this area. I really like it a lot. This is a cool bar, man. It really is. It's got a nice, comfortable feel, a little old school vibe, but yeah. it's not old. It doesn't look run down. When you say old school, people might think run down and old. That's not the case at all. This no, place. no, it's uh, like you walk, you walk in here and 
I think the main bar in the front has been here since like this building was you know, going way back in the day. So it's it's got a little bit of history. It's got a little bit of uh, it's got a little bit of an edge to it too. It's uh, it's one of the best spots. And hey, listen, if you're a super night owl, it's a four a.m. bar every night. So taking full <laughs> advantage of last call in the city. That really is a New York thing. I've learned that living in Florida now. <laughs> Four o'clock a.m. That's legit, man. People will still be out at three fifty a.m. It doesn't happen in Florida. I can promise you that much. Now, how long you're not from Buffalo originally? And by the way, before I start getting into anything, I would advise any fans listening if you're kind of new to the podcast. I've had you on twice. The first time was more about people getting to know you. We talked about where you mm-hmm. grew up and your career and everything that led to you working for the Athletic. And then the second time was a little more business approach. We talked straight Sabers that mm-hmm. time. It's going to be a little combination of both. Can't be too serious when we're hanging out at a bar right now with some background noise going on. By the way, we originally, everyone out there listening, had set this up on the patio. But I realized quickly, I came to my senses. I'm like, that's going to be a mistake. There's a motorcycle going by every couple minutes. A fire yeah. truck station's literally like next door to it. A couple kids asked me if they could play. I'm like, nah, man, let's get inside. We'll deal with a little, you know, some people talking and hear a little music on the jukebox. That's fine. Yeah. But you're, um, you're, fr- you're not from this area, but you live here now. How do you like living around here in the west side of Buffalo, being a part of the city as opposed to maybe the suburbs? Well, this is uh, I, I've never lived in the suburbs here. I I did when I when I grew up back, you know, back outside of Albany. That, right. You know, basically, if you're not living in downtown Albany, you're living in the suburbs somewhere. Um, even if you're in one of the other cities, you're not too far from the burbs. But I mean, down here, just there's more life down sure. down here. I mean, this is I mean, you're not quite Elmwood Village. This is like the borderline for the west side. I mean, it, you, you know, you start heading east from here, you're running right into the village. Right. You go west from here, you're you're heading towards Niagara Street, where that's you know that's starting to transform. And like everything, like in between, is just starting to really pick up, and everything's changing around. And it's kind of goes with that vibe that's going with with the rest of Buffalo, where like different neighborhoods are starting to, you know, starting to get revitalized and pick up. And this one's definitely one. But I mean, it's pretty quiet even though you know the firehouse is always is always going right Um, it's a relaxing place yeah but it's 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 nice here like it's it's the thing when people you know and i I know anytime somebody slanders buffalo on twitter it's a giant it turns into a day-long trending thing right but i mean you know when you make a place home you're gonna defend and be like well listen where did you go where have you been what have you checked out or you just going by what people have told you and more more often than not, it's like, well, it snows all the time. It's like, well, it's winter. Come here in the summer, and I will change your mind about literally everything in the city. Because you know, summer here is incredible. You're absolutely right, and it's funny because we're kind of like on separate sides with this. You're not from here. You didn't grow up here, but you're here now. Mm-hmm. I'm the complete opposite. I spent 45 years in Buffalo, and then I went to Florida. And I'm going to be completely honest with you, man. A couple of years ago, I wouldn't have had this attitude. I was one of those people that you're talking about on Twitter who might bash Buffalo a little bit mm-hmm. was me. I was so miserable in the winter. Yeah. I still hate being cold. That's never going to change. If I come back to Buffalo, I'm still going to be miserable. I'll be bitching at you in the winter time. That's never going to change. But I, I think it took moving away from Buffalo to really garner a true appreciation for it when you come back. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, again, I'm not throwing dirt at Florida either, okay? Right. I, I know, poor me living in Florida. So <laughs> Florida is a beautiful state. It really is. The water's gorgeous. The winters are majestic there. But it's just different. The people are not the same down there. In Buffalo, I know this sounds corny to say, but it really is true, man. For the most part, everyone is kind of in it together. When you're freezing your ass off in the winter, you're in it together. When there's a blizzard, you're in it together. When the team has success, you're doing it together. You know, the Bills made the playoffs. It felt like 
We made the playoffs yeah. a couple of years ago. You know what I'm saying? Whereas in Florida, it's kind of everyone, they're all transplants, including myself, obviously. Yeah. So everyone kind of keeps themselves a little bit. You don't get to form those bonds and relationships in the communities like you have in Buffalo. So I think it takes, not for everybody, but for me anyway, it took me leaving and then coming back now, like I get an opportunity to to really appreciate how good Buffalo truly is. And I'll tell you, I can't wait to get back. And it's going to happen within the next couple of years for sure. Yeah, it's uh, the, the thing about, you know, the slogan about city of good neighbors. I mean, that's it's no joke. I mean, wintertime comes around and like if you get your car stuck on the street or something like that and you're, you know, some people will see it, you know, flailing, trying to like dig your car out or like try to push it out of, you know, push it out of a spot. Yeah. People see that and be like, well, I've been there before. I know how much that sucks. Let me, well, let me help you out. Let me give you a car push. Let me, give me a shovel. Like, give me, give me something to help you out. Like that kind of stuff is, I mean, how long have you been here now? How long have you been here now? Uh, in just in Buffalo in general. Um, let's see, it was 2013. I moved out here. So this is going on six, going on seven years. Has it been better than you expected? And how much has it changed just in the time that you've been here? Like when you came here in 2013, you probably weren't hearing the greatest things about Buffalo because. When you hear Buffalo, like we already talked about the weather being cold, you also hear a lot of athletes complain, Willis McGee, some of these guys, that there's nothing yeah. to do in Buffalo except eat and drink. Yeah. Well, I, I would love to, uh, to be an elite athlete with a lot of money where I can come to a city and just be like, this isn't nearly as fun as I was hoping for. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you compare this city to like, you know, the, you know, the Manhattans and the Montreals and, and places like that. Yeah, it's probably going to fall a little bit short of your expectations. But I mean... This is the Rust Belt, man. Like when it comes to like the cities, like you know the the Clevelands, the Detroit's, the you know if you want to throw in a Toledo or a Pittsburgh or places like that, like these cities are all really good. But you got to do a little bit of work to 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 find what you're you know find what you like, what you enjoy about it. I mean, all these places you can eat like a king. You can you know certainly in this city. I mean, the food in this city is is the thing that blows me away sure you know from from the you know from coming here and being like all right well it's wings and roast beef sandwiches like all right well what else you got going here and you know my first discovery was pizza logs and i was like what are these things (laughs) i was like i'm gonna weigh a thousand pounds now (laughs) um but like you get in it with like the, the the better food and i mean even right here at essex you go across the street to Left Bank. That's one of the best restaurants in the whole city. Sure. I mean, it's very nice. You, you, you come here and you're thinking like, oh, I just want to kind of like lay low, you know, have, some, you know, have a good sandwich, get some wings. You come here and then you're like, well, if I want to class it up a little bit, maybe see some celebrities, see, you know, see a couple of athletes roll through and get a to go to get a to go bag, you know, on the way out. Go to left bank across the street. Like you can, you know, the, the place is right up here. That's a legendary joint. Right. You know, that's been around forever. It's been redone. But I mean, like all around here, there's just it just it it, it just totally blows me away. My old street that I, that I lived on it was only like about four or five blocks away from here. Um, was uh, that was on Hodge Avenue where the Children's Hospital was? Yeah, I know where that is. Yeah. So you know, the Children's Hospital is now downtown because mm-hmm. they built a beautiful new facility for that. So that's gone, but that's going to turn into like high, you know, some really nice apartments and like. All ca- like turning into lofts and things like that, which you know, in an old children's hospitals, it's all kinds of creepy. But, but I mean, you go to the corner there, and you know where there was Casa de Pizza, it's now going to be a Duff's. So it's like you know, you've got Thin Man Brewing across the street. You've got all this stuff in this neighborhood that wasn't even here five yeah. years ago. That's all here now, and you're just like, it blows me away to, to to see all this happen. And I'm like, I just got here, and so much has changed. That's that's the part that gets me. So Joe Yurden came at the right time. Essentially, I, I, I showed up and the whole city decided to cater to my needs. To <laughs> and have, I left to and have the city wings decided and it wanted and, to get yeah. great. 
I've always had a problem with people saying there's nothing to do here except eat and drink. I, maybe it's just me, but I like to eat and drink. So yeah. that, what's the problem there? Yeah, it's if that fits your needs, cool. If it doesn't, then, I mean, there's other places. You, you, you can find that stuff here, too, though. You have That's been here long enough now to know. And I'm sure you like me. You like to go out and get your beer on occasionally. Sure. You have some drinks. You like Absolutely. to go get your wings in. Just Obviously, I do that, too. But there is a lot of things you could do to go have fun. Oh, yeah. At least in the summer. Maybe not in the winter because, you're again, it's cold. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're in your house. You're, you go to the arena. You do your job. You go home. You stay warm. And you look forward to the spring. It makes you appreciate it. Yeah. I promise you, a day like this, if you live in Florida, it's beautiful out in Buffalo right now. If this is just another day in Florida, you might just be lounging around on your couch doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You ain't doing that in Buffalo because you don't get but a handful of these days a year. You know what I mean? More, A little more than a handful, but not a ton of them. So you got to take advantage of them. So I feel like in the summertime, Buffalo is just a different level of being vibrant. I just think about what happens when winter is winding down and spring starts up. And that first sunny 55 degree yeah. day you've got, you've got people in shorts running around like, right. thank God the thaw has begun. We're ready to go. And you're just like, shorts and it's 55? Yeah, no, I, I get it. I totally get it. I'm not going to shame that. You, uh, you're a chicken wing guy, obviously. And yeah. I'm going to give you credit here, man, because you've turned me on to... One of the best places that I've had yet, and that was the Dalmatia Hotel. I was wary about it. I knew yeah. where it was at. I knew the neighborhood. I'm like, oh, really, man? I don't know about <laughs> that. And here's the funny thing. I went there finally on your recommendation, my last trip here. And um, actually, it was my birthday. So it was about two months ago. Mm-hmm. And I went with my wife, and I went with my 16-year-old son and my 20-year-old daughter and her 20- or 21-year-old boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And... That's not exactly a sit-down restaurant type of place. <laughs> not That's really. a place like me and you could be found on a Friday or Saturday yeah. night, slamming down some points and, and getting some wings. But it's not really a sit-down family place. We walked in. My wife, she didn't say a word to me, but if looks, <laughs> if look, you could, you know what I'm saying. Yep. If looks could kill, she was going to kill me. Like, what in the hell are you doing, bringing my family to this place? <laughs> uh, you know, in Riverside to have these wings at this place, this dive bar. And I'll tell you, man, they came out because it was four, and that's another reason too. There was four of us, so. We got like 50 wings, and I tried five different kinds. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. But holy shit, man. They were absolutely, (laughs) they blew me away. Every single wing I tried was great. The medium, I remember Chevetta's, Chevetta barbecue or Chevetta medium. Oh, my God. They were one of the best wings I've ever had in Western Europe. Top five for me right now. Wow. That's how good they were. See, I was the thing that got me is I started talking about it because I went and visited. And my first visit there was weird. Because it was wing night, so you're thinking like, all right, this is going to be good. Cheaper wings, great. Let's mm-hmm. check it out. We get in there, and it was it was the kind of it was the kind of visit that could put you off of a place if you weren't prepared, right? Or if you're not like not paying attention. So I'm there with a buddy, and we're sitting at the bar, and the bartender let us know like the the, the draft lines were down, so we couldn't get any draft beer. So no. was, you know, bottles and cans were just like, okay, whatever. Like couldn't even get a soda because they're just like every everything's down. We're sorry. Yeah. I'm like okay. Uh, so that happens. And then they're like, our cook is new. Like it's new guy back in the kitchen. I was like, how new are we talking? They're like, he's got a binder with all of our sauce recipes and he's going through being meticulous. Like he's being meticulous because he didn't want to screw it up. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot of time. Cause they have the sign there that tells you, you got to be patient. Take your, you know, if you're ordering wings on wing night, you be prepared to wait a little bit because it takes a while to cook them, get them done. Well, this kid was new and he was trying his hardest. And there was a, party of about 12 in the back and they ordered like each like they each ordered a different flavor so this guy's doing 10 at a time oh boy different sauce for each one 
we were there for two hours waiting. <laughs> like we were like the second people to order like there. Cause you know, that group was in there. The guy's already working his ass off. And like, we ordered ours and we were at the bar for like an hour and a half, two hours waiting, wow. like no joke. And so like <laughs> my buddy's just like, what are you doing bringing me here? And I was like, listen, it, it's going to be good. Everybody swears up and down. It's going to be good. So they bring them, they bring our order out. The flavors weren't exactly what we ordered. Cause the guy was just, you know, we just got done cooking 120 wings or whatever, yeah. 140 wings for like a giant party. And some of the sauces weren't correct, but the cook on the wing was perfect. I ordered a Cajun, a uh, Cajun barbecue. Cause I was like, that's about as easy as it's got to get other than, you know, medium hot or whatever. And the Cajun bar- barbecue was incredible. Yeah. And I was like, really? I got to come back. I got to okay, come back okay. another night. And when I did, holy cow, I was like, yep, nope, this is confirmed. This is, this is, this place is a legit joint. <laughs> and then a week later, they were at Taste the Buffalo. They had a, they had a tenant Taste the Buffalo. And I don't remember seeing them there the last few years. And they busted out their lavender allspice and the Creole, the honey Creole wings, which everybody I saw going there was just like, oh my God, what, uh, why have I never gone here? And I was like, well, Take a trip out, maybe maybe right. maybe you'll understand why. Because you Listen, roll up and you're like, it's a neighborhood. It is a neighborhood, and I'm, I've said this to people, man. If you're from Clarence, you're from Williamsville, East Ham, or something like that. You're not used to being in the city. It's very intimidating, man. Yeah. And I could see why people aren't going there. I love to see a place like Dalmatia, for an example, or a place like Essex Street, places that aren't mainstream places do well mm-hmm. for themselves because everyone talks all the time about Duff's and Anchor Bar and Barbells right up there, and even Elmo's yeah. has become. Very trendy mm-hmm. for people to go to, and I don't get me wrong, I don't got no problem with those places. I just like to see a place like the Domatia Hotel start to do well for themselves. Do you ever feel any pressure to some extent? You're a public figure, you know, yeah. it's not like your, your words the Bible or anything, but you have 20,000 followers on Twitter. People put some stock into what you say, besides yeah. just the savers, you got people, fans of yours. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel pressure when you recommend? Whether it's a wing, maybe not a wing, a pizza place, whatever, whatever, yeah. do you feel that extra pressure? Like a little, like someone says. I'm going to this place based, I'm going to Lenovo's based because you told me that this yeah. is a good place to go to. You kind of feel a little bit of pressure. I do with I Autobot North in Amherst. Mm-hmm. I, I'll die on that hill that those are one of the best three or four wings I've had. And I've had several people tell me, you know, I'm going to go there based on your review. And I'm kind of getting, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I get a little bit nervous about it. I don't want them to hate it. Yeah. Most of them have liked it, but there has been one or two who said disappointed. Yeah, there there is that, there is that thought to it. I, I think back to when the, um, the NHL draft was here and I did like a, uh, a, a half visitor's guide for the draft for people that like they come here during hockey season and it's like misery, misery and they hate it. And I was, they're like, they're like, Oh God, we're in Buffalo. But I was like, yeah, but you're in Buffalo in June. Right. I was like, so everybody's going to tell you to go to like these eight or nine places, you know, whether it's food or, you know, bars, whatever. And I was like, okay, there are these spots, you know, all about them here's everywhere else you should try to get to when you're here. And I did this thing and like, you know, the, um, the, uh, the, the Buffalo Niagara, like, uh, tourism office, like gave me a call. They wanted to meet with me. They're like, Hey, could you do more of that for your website? And I was like, I literally was doing this once guys. I'm you know, I'm very, it's very cool. You wanted to meet with me to discuss like everything. They're like, like, wow, it was a really good list. That was like, that was fantastic. Thanks for like kind of helping us out with, with doing a guide. And I was like, I was like, I don't know how much longer my website's going to be up for, but like, you know, feel free if you want to point it out to people. That's great. But a lot of people took that into a, into account and anybody who did like, they let me know. They're like, Hey, I went to this place because you said it was cool. Thanks for pointing that out because all these other places that people were going to were mobbed. We had other options to go to. So, but, but yeah, like if you recommend a place like, and I've become much more aware of it now, you know, you get the check mark and like, 
things change on Twitter <laughs> now sure because like you reply to anybody, you answer anything, like even a celebrity, your, re- your response goes right, right to, to the, the top. top and it's like blue check mark. I'm like, I'm, a, 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 I'm a bit uncomfortable with that, but, um, <laughs> but it puts pressure on you to, to pick out a really good spot. Well, I'll tell you, man, there's a lot of bloggers, a lot of podcasters out there, myself included. It's kind of like when the lottery people are like, Oh, it's a curse. Well, you know what? Give me that blue check mark and I'll deal with, <laughs> I'll deal with that curse at the end. Let's give a couple places a little free publicity right now. We already talked about the Delmatia Hotel. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Let's play a little game. Okay. If you had a buddy from California who either was never in Western New York before or hadn't been here for maybe 20 years or so, what would be a couple places you would recommend that they go do for chicken wings where you've not counting Delmatia, we've already talked about them, mm-hmm. where you feel confident that if you took your buddy out and he really wants chicken wings. He's never had them, or they suck in California. He's heard great things about buffalo wings. Where are a couple places that you would most recommend taking them to? I would, I would say, depending on where you go in the area, like if you're staying with, like if you're staying with friends out East Aurora, Hamburg, I think you hit Barbill, you hit Mimosers. I think you go out. I think you go out there and and you hit those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're staying more downtown around here, I think Gabriel's Gate's a must. I. I to me, that's the best one you can get immediately, right downtown. Right. I, th- I think what they do, what they do is is great, and I basically everybody I've sent there has thanked me, <laughs> thanked me for doing it. So I, I that that's nice. It's hard um, to imagine a bad experience at Gabriel's Gate. I don't know if they're the best, but they're steady, they're consistent, and yeah. you're, you're going to enjoy them. I love the um, having having been to Baltimore a few times, getting uh, pit beef at plate like that mm-hmm. that sort of like charred up. Yeah. flavor. Yeah. I go to Amherst Ale House out in the Burbs. Mm-hmm. Their Crown Crown Royal Bar- Char yeah. Char Pit yep. wings are crazy good. They're in my top 10. Like that yeah, that's I've a had them. those are those yeah. are stunningly good. Very good. It's not the traditional wing, right. but like you can't go wrong. Right. Like, right. And you yeah. go out there and get some pizza fries to go with it. That's yeah, you're 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 full for like a week. Mm-hmm. But um uh and I'm kind of blanking. 911 Tavern is another one. Just based like solely based on the sauce, almost alone. But the way they cook the wings is so crazy good. It's so. And if you want that South Buffalo, it's kind of like Dalmatia, where you go there and you're going to be like, "Eh, "What are you sending me here for?" (laughs) We talked about this off off air that it's kind of like the the soup Nazis with Seinfeld. It's kind of like that in 911. Don't know when it's going to be open. Don't know what kind of mood that guy's going to be in. You can't take him out. All that bitching, but you sit down, you eat them, man. They're so good. Oh yeah. my god! Plus, you get a game of shuffleboard in. Yeah, shuffleboard, which is nice. In this, and, but don't if you got to go to the bathroom, you might not fit in there. Good it's luck. the smallest bathroom <laughs> ever. Yeah, but it, the wings are unbelievable. But yeah, but that's that's a that's that's basically my checklist. If you like for a top five or six places for for different stuff, I, I mean, there's still a few places I haven't been able to check out yet. Um, Doc Sullivan's is one I haven't gotten to go to yet, and that I know that's on the the the. The tourist boards like Wing Trail. Yeah, most of those places I've been able to get to, which is um, you're here. You might as well go check these places sure. out. Um, but yeah, and the Elmos, I would absolutely take people to Elmos. The the double dip with the sauces is the best thing you can do with with anything. Um, if you want to change your flavor profiles up, like that's stupid good. I think that uh, Elmos should throw Khalil Mack and maybe even Tim Graham a couple bucks for. Really helping get the word out. They really did. They helped make that place mainstream. Speaking of Tim Graham, before we get to a break, me and you are going to bang out some wings yes. and we'll play a sponsor ad at that time. But before we get to that, I did want to spend a minute talking about the athletic. You guys landed a really big fish in the football market, man. Yeah. I, I mean, to me personally, I think Joe B might be 
not one of, I think he might be the best Buffalo Bills reporter out there today. I just, the way he, his style mm-hmm. and the, he, the instant analysis that he does on players, he just knows the game. And combined with Matt, who if I was going to make an argument against <laughs> that, it might be Matt Fairburn. Yeah. You know, you put them two together with Tim, dude, that's like straight up, flat out an all-star team of Buffalo Bills reporters on the app. Like, that's got to be a huge boost to you guys. It's, you got to feel good about that. The I mean, Bills fans really helped get us off the ground uh, sure. a year ago. I mean, it's... And that's not a knock on on the Sabres. People, like Sabres fans have come out like crazy for us too. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a Bills town. We and we get it. Right. But I mean, having those guys, like, and you know, it's like as Joe, you know, Joe wrote in his introductory piece. This was something he he's been wanting to do for a while was mm-hmm. was to join up with us. But uh, the amount of like no no bullshit, no no nonsense, just right to it, smart about everything, very cut through, like not into the drama, not into like you know, the, the goofiness that can happen with, with a lot of stuff, you know, it's the NFL, like there's goofiness to be found if you want to find it, yeah. but they cut through it and they just, they get right to it and give you the straight, the straight stuff all the time. And that, that to me is, I mean, it, it blows me away. Like it, it was when it, when that report came out, I forget who it was, who said, you know, Oh, Joe Viscali is jumping, jumping the athletic. I remember seeing him a few days, uh, like a few, like a week or so later, uh, at a Sabres, a Sabres, gathering for mm-hmm. one of one of the many off-season things that happened um i saw joe be there and i was like write a funny rumor about you what's going on and he's just like listen i don't know what you're talking about yeah. i was like all right all I, right I, I found out about that relatively early too <laughs> but I, I mean it's it's such an uh, like i kills me to be be on the same team with these guys because i look at myself and think how did I end up here? Like I don't, I don't belong in this group at all. Yes, you do. I, I, that, yeah, you do. But it's, uh, it's amazing. I, I, I can't like that. That's the part of you know not being a Bills fan. That's the part of like being able to read that. It keeps me up to date on everything. It keeps me educated on the team, and it actually gives me a reason like to actually care about watching them because I don't want to watch the Lions because I, uh, they're my team and I hate them. I hate them to death. But I mean, to be up on top of the Bills stuff. I mean, I got to anyways. I'm you know I'm here, but it helps keep me informed on it because they're they're on top of everything man i'll tell you what today during work i was uh slacking on company time reading the athletic and Mm -hmm. i read an article it was from wednesday's practice we're taping this thursday evening and i was just blown away by how detailed it was on the offensive side of the ball was talking about i don't want to get into too many specifics because that's not really what we're talking about Mm -hmm. here but cody ford's moving at guard and the second's playing here and this and that he just notices snap counts and these little tiny things and i'm looking i'm like i thought this was a whole article then it says Joe B. That was just the offense. Yeah. That's only half of it, man. <laughs> then I keep reading it out. I'm like, holy shit, man. And then Matt handled the defense. I don't know if they're yeah. doing that every year, flip-flopping or whatever they're doing. But I was like, wow. The detail in what they do is just uh, it's second to none, man. One more question. I'm going to take a break. This is still the offseason for you. Yeah. A little more time. Do you enjoy the hockey offseason and having more downtime, or does it get a little boring for you? I'm boring might be a strong word, but do you like the routine and the flow of being really busy during the season? And does that make you appreciate the downtime more, or do you start to get a little bit bored this time of year, a little antsy? I, I'm I'm wired a little bit different from from my past, from doing all the stuff at NBC, where you know every shift that I was doing on the site there, it was we had to have something up at least every ninety minutes, at least yeah. every ninety minutes, right? And when it's summertime, you're just like. I mean, that's all 30 teams at that, you know, at that time it was 30 mm-hmm. teams. You're just hoping for anything, you know, waiver claim, 
uh, you know, so, like literally anything to happen so you can just just Something stay busy. Yeah. So when you've got an off season like this where Sabres are pretty busy, honestly, I mean, they've, they've done a lot. It just all came in like three days, in a, you know, in a matter of like three or four days. And the rest of the time, you're just kind of like, all right, I got to come up with ideas here. I got to do something. And the downtime for me drives me crazy. Yeah. I, I, it makes me nuts because it, then it's like you've got like this entire world in front of you where it's like, but your world's focused on this one team and what they're doing. And you got to try to find a way to come up with a different angle or a different story or do some, uh, you know, some other kinds of reporting to, to, to come up with something. And that makes me nuts. Like, do you that, feel like sometimes oh, that maybe you're like, kind of like Sal Capaccio talked about this on Tuesday's show, almost like a doctor on who could get paged at any time. Like if a move goes down, something happens, a big trade goes down. You might be here sitting here having a beer with me at the bar shooting the shit. We're at Essence street pub, hanging out, drinking, Something goes down, a big trade or something, you're out. Yeah. You got work to do just like that. You're kind of like a doctor on call. Do you feel that way? Uh, yeah. And funny, funny enough, that happened to me my first month here really? in Buffalo because I was out meeting up with, with you know, because, uh, you know, my history is in blogging. So I was meeting up with a guy who used to used to write on a Sabres blog here. We came, you know, pals over the Internet and was like, oh, hey, I'm in the city now. Let's hang out. And my phone stopped getting stop getting any information, you know, where, well, you know, where we were out. And so like, you know, having some pizza, you know, having a beer, I go to the bar and I was like about to order the, you know, the second round. And a guy at the bar is like, Hey, did you hear they traded Vanek? And I go, excuse me, what? And I was like, hang on. I'm looking at my phone. There's nothing there. And I was like, let me restart my phone. I restart my phone. Seven emails came tearing oh, through wow. about the trade. And I was like, <laughs> Oh no. Yeah. So I read the email and it's like, press conference that night at the arena at like nine 30 at night. And I look at my watch and it's nine o'clock. I was like, Oh shit, I gotta go. <laughs> so I had like run up the street, get yeah. to my, get my car, like head down. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I gotta, I gotta go. And yeah. And like this summer's it's been kind of that way, especially with how they've loaded up all these defensemen on the blue line. And now it's like, something's got to give there's something's going to happen at some point. And right. knowing that they traded Jeff Skinner last traded for Jeff Skinner on August 2nd last year, now it's kind of like we're getting about that time. People are hearing this Let's on go. August second, right? We'll talk some Sabers in a few minutes. We're going to take a quick break here. We're going to mow down some of these wings here at the Essex Street Pub. I'm going to play an ad from one of our sponsors, and then on the other side, we'll we'll talk some Sabers. We'll bang out some Sabers talk. So we'll be right back, folks. All right, let's take a quick break here, so I can tell you about one of our show sponsors. Today's episode is being brought to you by Pulse Cellular. Pulse Cellular was created to give a better option for everyone out there looking for premium wireless phone service at less cost with straightforward plans, no strings attached, no confusing fine print, none of that BS. They have you covered nationwide in the United States with unlimited talk and text, premium fast LTE data plans, hotspot coverage at no additional cost in all 50 states as well as the Caribbean, Canada, and Mexico. Plans also include unlimited free Wi-Fi calls internationally when calling U.S. lines. If you don't want to buy a new phone, you want to keep your old one, you almost certainly can. If you don't want a new phone number, you want to keep your old one, you definitely can. There are no credit checks, there's no contracts, there's no overage costs. Go visit PulseCellular.com, check out their plans. As a bonus, put in promo code Moran on any online order and you'll receive another 10% off the price of any phone or plan. I'm telling you, you can't beat it. Find out for yourself what more and more people are finding out each and every single day. Life is better with Pulse. 
I'm back here with Joe Yurden from The Athletic. We are taping on a Thursday night at the Essex Street Pub on Rhode Island Street, west side of Buffalo. Just banged out some chicken wings, man. Tried three different flavors. I enjoyed them. They were different. We, we, got, we got the world tour of the, of the flavors here because they do them a little different. Um, but the bourbon barbecue, man, I, if I'm hungry and I'm hanging out having having a beer or two here, those are the ones I usually go to. But I finally got to try... The Caribbean jerks, jerk seasoning, which, hey, no to jerk over here. Jerk, jerk is like <laughs> it's my favorite. Perfect fi- for you. It's, but it's, it, and it's genuinely like one of my favorite flavors on earth. <laughs> so it, yeah, every, the universe makes sense sometimes and uh, was really pleased with that. So yeah. good, there's a good flavor to them. I'll say this. Um, if you're a big crispy guy, these won't be the wings for you. Right. You know, they're, they're, um, they're baked. Mm-hmm. They're not deep fried. They, they make them differently, which different is good, man. But they were tasty. I liked them a lot. The, the barbecue had a nice taste to them. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel fresh, man. You know, I t- <laughs> I tell you this, and this is the type of place. And I'll say this much before we start talking about the Sabers. I I think even the owner himself wouldn't say we have the best wings in Buffalo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They are a nice complement to everything else that they have here to oh, offer. Yeah. To me, this is a place you go to. You had a long day at work. Uh, the wife's mad at you. <laughs> you you want to hang out, you want to hear some good tunes on the jukebox. You mm-hmm. want to just have a good time, mellow out, cool out, be comfortable. This is that perfect type of bar. And this has been around for a long time. And this is one of Western New York's, I don't even want to call it a hidden gem because people in the know know about this place. Maybe yeah. not on a mainstream level, but this is a really nice, comfortable bar. And I'll tell you, with the wings, they're, uh, like I said, they were, they were good, man. They weren't the best wings I've ever had. I'm not going to lie to the people mm-hmm. who listen to the show. But they were good. This is the kind of place where you have some beers or a couple of drinks and you're, and you're hungry, man. And you get mm-hmm. those wings. You're not going to be mad about them. Not no. at all. They're good. No. And you know what? It sets you up if you want to get like a, if you want to get like a burrito or a burger or something else here where right. doing, some of the, doing some of the other things that you really knock out of the park here. It's, 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 it's a nice setup for, for having something else. And like if you're coming here, you're, you're kind of coming here to get away from Get away from stuff exactly, and just relax. Exactly, and that's it's, my favorite thing about this. Place. It's not like a lounge bar. It's not. It's not a lounge. Like you're not here to just kind of like sit back and do whatever. You're here to kick back a couple of beers. Yeah, get away from the world for a little right. while and play a game of pool, play some darts, call it a night. You know. <laughs> well, <laughs> b- before me and you call it a night, man, we got to talk some sabers. I mean, you are one of the sabers beat reporters at the Athletic. It's that time of year. It's tough. For people, I think fans right now who are fans of both the Bills and the Sabres to get into the Sabres because training camp's so fresh and new with the Bills. But that time is coming soon. I got some a handful of questions, at least, that I wanted to ask you. Let me start with one that you've probably been asked a billion times already. <laughs> but some, you already know where I'm going with it. Come opening night, do you think Rasmus Rissalainen is going to be in this lineup, or do you think he's going to be somewhere else? I, I believe he's going to be somewhere else. Um, I, I think there's been... There's too much. It's not even really smoke. It's it's so much discussion, and I think there's so much anticipation on the fan base's part because I think I think a lot of the fans just figure there's no way he's going to come back. I think there's a genuine worry based on what happened with the Ryan O'Reilly trade that you know you're going to trade a guy who's 24 a defenseman. A lot of defensemen don't you know traditionally yeah. you know go back to 80s 90s. A lot of defensemen didn't really come into their own until they hit 25, 26 years old. Things are different now, and that's not always the case. But it still happens. And I think there's there's a worry that you're going to trade him for you know, a winger 
or you know whatever you know what have you whatever comes the other way yeah. you're going to make that deal and you're going to end up 3 years down the road being like banging your head on the table saying why do we do that why do we let this guy go how does that happen but look at everything they've done this summer with the lineup look at the defensemen they've added on the right you know you add a Colin Miller which is like oh hey cool that's good that fills out the right side then you add a Henry Yoki Haru and you're like Hey, wait a minute. That guy should never have been out of Chicago's lineup last year. Uh, okay, well, that's another guy. And you you add these guys there, and you're like, sure seems like they're preparing for somebody to go. Right. And, yeah. you know, you add a Yoki Haru who was 19 last year. If you're nervous about giving getting rid of a 24-year-old defenseman, well, adding a 19-year-old one who's got who checks all the mar- you know, checks all the boxes for for, you know, puck possession and all these things. Boy, that seems like a it's a fascinating ad. Same for Colin Miller. You know, he's got the big shot. Although every, I think every fan in Vegas told me like, good luck keeping it under control. Uh, like good luck seeing him hit the net. And I said, well, it's okay. They've had Alexi Zitnik here in the past before with a big shot. Yeah. They couldn't hit the net, but I mean, everything just sets up that something's going to give, like there's going to be a trade and Ristolainen's the one guy who makes sense to get a, to get a, a return. That's going to help out other parts of the lineup. I agree with what you said. And do you think that it's at least possible that maybe Jason Bottrell is a little gun shy, a little worried about what could have happened with O'Reilly They're doing the same thing again? Do you think that has anything to do with it whatsoever? Why he hasn't been traded yet? Or you just think he's, he thinks that there's, I want this for this guy and I haven't got it yet. So I'm not just going to trade him just to trade him. One other part to this too. Mm-hmm. Let's just say they do because you predict that he's not going to be here. We don't know that for sure, but we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. But let's just say they do trade him. What do you think realistically, and I'm not asking for a specific play or something, but realistically, what do you think he could fetch right now? I think right now, I mean, you could add a center or you could add a right wing and it will address an immediate problem. Right. Because that's that's an issue. I think, you know, we, I, I wrote a bit about how a lot's being expected out of Victor Olofsson to step in and be an immediate, you know, top six guy next year. And I was like, well, you know, he's he just had a, like a really great season in the AHL. He scores 30 goals. It's good. The NHL is a whole new beast. Right. And putting that on the shoulders of a guy who's got six NHL games to say, all right, scores 20 next year and get it done. It's asking a lot. I, th- I think he's, I think he's very capable of doing that. I think he can do it, but things happen. And uh, you know, it's the expectations and going, going kind of blind into it where you say, okay, I don't know if this is going to work. So I, I think if you bring in a, a, a proven right-wing scorer or you bring in a center, I think if you go center, it's somebody who's maybe not, maybe doesn't have a lot of years left on a contract, but might be a big name, a big get, uh, because I mean, you just drafted Dylan Cousins. You're, I, I think the expectation is he'll compete for a spot next season. Right. I mean, ideally this year, he's going to try to prove that he belongs and maybe get that early look at, you know, get a few games and then they send them back. But I mean, you're talking about putting him in your starting lineup in a year. Okay. You know, I think that's what, what you expect out of a guy who was taken seventh, but you know, I, I think as long as you're getting somebody who can just fill the net back, whether it's a center or a wing, you can figure it out along the way, but just, you, you got to get somebody who's going to be able to jump in and be able to be an effective scorer right away. Because if you get somebody and I, you know, I get the O'Reilly trade was a different beast. And, you know, I, I think last year proved that they it put a lot of pressure on guys like Berglund and Thompson to jump in and, and be the guy. Right. You know, in Berglund, it didn't work because he didn't want to be traded in the first place. 
And with Thompson, it was he's still green, you know. And you you you, you throw a guy into that and have him learn on the fly. Well, that's tough. Like things like that will happen. And I, yeah, I think if you're going to get rid of a 24 year old center or a 24 year old defenseman, you better make damn sure you get that you get the right guy that you want. And just don't you know take whatever boat anchor somebody's throwing at you because it helps knock your salary down or helps them out or or what have you. I agree with what you said 100% about the fact that they brought in two more defensemen. If it's not Rasmus, somebody is probably going to get traded. Mm-hmm. Let's just say it's not him. What do you think is the best path in terms of a defenseman for the Sabres to make a trade if it's not Rasmus? Well, I think that's when you start looking at the guys who are going to be unrestricted after mm-hmm. this season. And then you know, you're talking about Zach Bogosian, who's coming off hip surgery. So you're that, I mean, you're talking maybe a deadline day deal there. Uh, and then maybe you're talking about Marco Scandella. I think that's that's I mean that's the other guy, but you know he's got the veteran cachet. He's you know he's played playoff games with the Wild. He plays hard. You know he's one of those guys that a lot of coaches go nuts for. You know to have as a depth guy in their lineup. And I, you know, outside of that, you're talking about you know you're not going to move a guy you just picked up, but you're talking about maybe moving younger guys who aren't going to fetch you that much more. You know maybe right. a Jake McCabe. You know I think McCabe's got value, but I think they like him. So I think you're, they're in a spot where the, this is why it always points back to Ristolainen and, you know, where, where some ideas make sense, but others could, but it doesn't really. And I think that's where, you know, with Ristolainen, you just kind of go, you can get the better return with him based, you know, compared to everybody else. High risk, high reward. I mean, you can get the best value, but at the same token, I don't know why I'm bringing up Ryan Riley. It just keeps getting stuck in my mind because it's so fresh what happened, Mm -hmm. but you got that fear. I'm not saying the Sabres should be operating out of a place of fear, but you obviously have that fear that this guy goes somewhere else and becomes a superstar. And then it probably sets back your franchise a couple of years that you got rid of a guy who, unless maybe he was never going to be that guy in Buffalo and it took him going somewhere else to become that guy. I'm going to, uh, here's what I want to do. I'm going to go through the, the Sabres significant offseason moves. I want you to give me like a letter grade if we were in school right now. Okay. So I'm not for each one. Just take them all. Put them into one and give me one grade. The significant things that they've done, the additions. Mm-hmm. Ralph Kruger's a new head coach, of course. They traded two picks, including a second rounder for Colin Miller. They traded a third for Jimmy Vesey. I almost said Vesey. I, I, it's, it's such a bad habit of mine. But <laughs> Jimmy Vesey, they signed Marcus Johansson, and then they traded Nylander for Henry. It's going to take me a year and a half to get this name right <laughs> Help me out here. Yoki Haru. How close am I? Yoki Haru, yeah. yeah. All right, I'm close enough. You're, 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 you're 95% in the I'm ballpark. I'm on the right path, at least. Take all those moves right now. Roll it up into a ball. Knowing what this team was going into the offseason looking for. And right now, what would be that grade? If they don't do anything else, but we both think that they're probably going to. I think I think the grade, you can, you, you can toss them a solid B. I think, I think a B is a fair grade. Yeah. Kruger's grade is going to be a little bit incomplete because, you know, he hasn't coached an NHL team since 2012. Right. You know, his last experience was the uh, was the World Cup of Hockey Team, Team Europe, in 2016. And that's really tough to, to decide whether he's going to be the guy or not. We'll see what happens. Right now, he, you know, everything makes sense for the explanation. So, you know, we'll say, we'll say, okay, it's somebody outside the box. It's not a retread. Or at least not a usual retread guy. So, you know, they didn't go out and get Mike Yo or you know, uh, or uh, Michelle Terrian or somebody like that. Where mm-hmm. it's just like, boy, we know what we're getting into here, and the room's gonna hate it. You know, Kruger at least the way he talks and the way the way he expresses himself. You think, all right, maybe this guy can get through. Maybe that can work. So, incomplete on that grade. 
but I think I love the Miller trade. Um, I, I think that's I think he's going to be a huge help on the on the back end. Um, Nylander for Yoki Haru. I mean, Nylander, you're just kind of it was a it was a crapper get off the pot moment for him. Did it feel like a little bit like Bailey and Baptiste guys that had all this potential in Rochester? Now they weren't first round picks like mm-hmm. Nylander, but these were guys that we kept waiting to come up to the Sabers and become impact players, but it never happened. Do you feel like Nylander was on that path with Buffalo? It, it was. Uh, I think it's it's a couple of things. I think it's partially that, but I think it's also because he wasn't Bottrell's pick. You know, that was a Tim. He was a Tim True. Murray's pick, right? And. You know, if they, if you go into a situation and there's a guy that I mean, he scouted him in Pittsburgh. I would have no doubt that he he was very well aware of the player. If you go into a team, you know, with a new team and you you got a guy and you're like, I didn't like this guy at all. Maybe he can prove me wrong. Well, he had a couple of years to look at him, and he must not have proved him. He must not have right. you know proved him wrong. So you move off from that. But I mean, hey, Chicago was feeling the same way about Yoki Haru because they had drafted a couple other defensemen that they were higher on. And if you're thinking, well, well, if Jeremy Colleton's not going to play this guy, well, then we're, he's not going to spend his whole life in Rockford. That doesn't make any sense. He's too good for that. Well, let's move him, move him elsewhere, and take take somebody else that we might like better. So uh, it makes sense. And I think Yoki Haru is a great pickup. I, he, for what I think Jason Bottrell wants this team to be, I, it, he hits he hits every mark for that. You Do you know? think he starts the season in Buffalo, or does he go to Rochester unless they make? A significant trade. Uh, unless they make a move, I think he starts in Rochester just okay. because they have, uh, unless he has such a camp that he makes it so that you have to wave, you know, you got to wave Casey Nelson, you got to wave a few guys to, to send him through because you're like, we need him. I think right now they're set up to that they're going to keep eight defensemen no matter what. Right. Um, which makes it tough because, you know, you're sitting out two of them every game. But, um, but you know, with Bogo and Pilot being injured to start the year, that, takes a little bit of that pressure off but you know pilot will be back within a month bogosian we'll see we'll see what his progress is but you know he's a workout maniac so maybe he'll you know he'll be ready to go within a month too and then you know it's a question you can put off for later but at some point you got to address it and um but i think right now if all things told i think he starts in rochester which will drive everybody absolutely bonkers sure i'm sure it will We've managed to talk Sabres for a good solid 10 minutes without even discussing Jack Eichel or Rasmus Dahlin. That's about to change right now, of course, though. <laughs> Second year for Dahlin. Who do you think or who would you like to see him paired up with on the blue line and hopefully someone that he can develop some chemistry with, not just for a game or two and then have it switched up every two or three games, but is there a guy out there on this roster right now that you would say, man, I'd really like to see him skating with Rasmus every night? I would love to see Montour because I, yeah. think, I think Montour, Montour can feed some of that puck carrying ability. Cause I mean, we saw a little bit of it last year. Yeah. You know, he got a pretty good look at him in Buffalo last season. Um, but he plays that physical sort of game, which I think is, is it is missing with this team. I mean, you know, Ristolainen does it. Bogosian does it. Montour can certainly do it. He laid a couple of pretty whopper, pretty big whopper hits late in the season. Mm-hmm. And I think with that ability, as well as the ability to be able to get the puck out of danger, take it, you know, take it through the zone. If you have to, you can do so much more with Dalian as long as you know if he does if he doesn't have to carry the puck constantly and manage it. He's the best person on the team at it, forward or defenseman, as far as I'm concerned. Dalian's yeah. the best at it. But if you if you can have him just kind of doing doing other things to help spark the offense from from that back line, if Montour can help that out, that's a huge help. On the flip side, Colin Miller could be a really good one too because Miller's got the big shot. He's a, he's a guy who drives some offensive play. Maybe lacking a little bit on the defensive part of things, um, but I think Darlene can help him out in that because Darlene, 
the only guy Dalene wasn't able to lift up last year was Ristolainen when paired up. And that, I don't know if that's a damning thing for Ristolainen, but I think it was just something where... Does it shock you a little bit? Did, it's, it's, I think it's more disappointing, really, yeah. um, because you figure like, well, these are your two best guys. This has to work out great. And it, for whatever reasons, it just did not work out great. Um, it's something where I think I should have dedicated my entire summer just watching tape of those two together on the ice to, just to see like what the differences were. But I think I would have would have gone nuts. It would have been like a clockwork orange. Yeah, sometimes situation. it happens, man. You know, a great quarterback can play with a great right receiver, and then just for whatever reason, they don't get on the same page. Right. With Eichel, obviously he's the captain. Yeah. Who do you see being? Who do you see wearing the A as of right now? I mean, uh, I think it's still probably Kyle. I think Kyle's. I think Kyle will be an assistant again. He's beloved in that room. Uh, literally, I mean, and he's a guy Jack leans on a lot. He leaned a lot on on Kyle and Zach last year, um, and I think Zach was definitely a guy who got who uh, who Phil Housley took a shine to right away because I mean Phil. You know, loved all the defensemen. So, um, but like in the room, I mean, Zach is definitely a guy who's he's he's like an alpha male in there too. So, you know, Jack's got that alpha personality where Kyle's kind of like the intensely serious, driven, focused, and you know, he's the veteran guy in there. So, I don't I don't think you I don't think you pull that a off of Kyle. I think with Zach, just because the injury stuff right now, you know, with the hip, yeah, maybe he's not wearing it. But I think that's when you look at a guy like McCabe. I think McCabe, like if you want to have it, put it on a defenseman right now, just as an as an alternate captain. I think McCabe's a guy that makes a ton of sense. Assuming that Eichel and Skinner are going to skate on a line together, and let's assume that Reinhardt will be on a different line because they don't want all three of them on their same line. Who do you see being on that front line with them right now as things stand? Because if you don't have Reinhardt on that line, it seems to me like there's a bunch of forwards right now who, when they're at their best, could be on a second line, or when they're at their worst, could be on the fourth line, or even mm-hmm. worse. In the press box, watching the game with you. Yeah. But right now, Olafson would probably be the obvious choice in terms of potential and talent. But you just talked about this; he's not really done much in the NHL level. Not mm-hmm. do you think that it would be wise to put him up there on that first line with those two guys to start, or do you think that it should be someone else to get that crack? I think I think right now my my two main candidates for that spot are Connor Sherry because uh, Jason Bottrell kind of went out of his way during development camp to point out that. Connor Sherry's a guy who can play left or right wing. Right. And it was just like, wait, what? You can play the right wing? And sure enough, in Pittsburgh, that's what he did. And who is the guy who, you know, this is very specious evidence as far as my case for for it being Connor Sherry, but who is Eichel always out on the ice with in three on three? It was usually him, Ristolainen or Darlene, and Connor Sherry. Yeah. So in my mind, you know, you're not going to take, you know, I think Phil was pretty adamant that Sherry was a left wing. You weren't going to take Skinner away from from Jack because that didn't make any sense but I think Connor Sherry because you know he didn't think to play him on the right wing which I mean, it's no fault of his own that's not his fault but um but if Bottrell believes he can do it and I think some of the numbers play out that Sherry did a lot of his offensive really good offensive work coming from the right side of the zone he's a guy that makes a lot of sense I think Jimmy Vesey could be another one too but I think they I think he might be better off down in the lineup, but VZ being a net front sort of guy, if if he's like a Reinhardt light, that that plays out pretty well too. Because I think getting Sam his own line is a huge, huge thing that they have to do. Because you need that, you got to roll two lines that can score and right. not just rely on the you know. Because every time you know you could, by the end of the season, you kept seeing Twitter react every time it was Skinner, Eichel, and Reinhardt together. It was just like 
Uh, and then it's like, well, what happens when that line gets right. shut down? Then you got what about nothing. the other 40, 40 minutes of right. the game. What about Mendelstead as the second line center? Do you think in year two he's ready to take on that role? Or do you think they're going to try to make Reinhardt play center? Johansson? If, assuming that they don't trade Rasmus and they don't get, like, say, a second line center. If they do, problem solved. But if they don't, do you think Middlestead's ready at this point to take on that top six center role? I, I think he. I think his whole summer should be preparing for that role. Right. Um, I, I don't think Reinhardt, you know, it's another thing Bottrell said. He was not convinced that Reinhardt's a center. You know, he said... He's very he can he can do center things from the right side, which is true. I mean, your center just has to be able to win some faceoffs and play solid defensively, which Casey was very good at last year. Um, it's not going to be Johansson. I know people went nuts when they signed him. They're like, "Oh, we got a second line center." I was like, "He hasn't played center since his second season in the league." Yeah, back in ten eleven, I think it was ten eleven, eleven twelve, and he wasn't very good as a center. Like he was much better as a left wing. So. Johansson to me is LW two, Reinhardt's RW two, and I think middle stats are C two. You mentioned Tage Thompson earlier. Do you think he'll be spending a full season in Buffalo, or is he one of those guys who probably could still spend more time in the minors? From what I saw him in Rochester when he went down, I think it to me proved he doesn't belong in the AHL. Um, he was, I mean, he was the one guy who scored for them in the playoffs. You know, because they. Toronto doubled down on uh, stopping Asplund, O'Regan, and Olofsson. They, they smothered them. You know, they basically surrounded Olofsson every time in the offensive zone and told the other two guys, it's up to you. You better figure out how to score. And they were just like, no, we, Victor. Victor has to shoot. We got to get the puck to him. And it, it didn't work. But Tage played excellent in Rochester. As far, as far as I'm concerned, he was. it made sense why they kept him up in partially made sense why they kept him up in the NHL for so long because they said, listen, we put him down there. He's going to score. He could score 30 down there just the same way Victor does. But what does that prove? You know, this guy's, this guy's already got, you know, you know, at that point he came into last season with 40, 40 NHL games. And, you know, by the time everybody was ready to send him a Roch, it's like, well, he's already got 80 NHL games. What, like, what's he going to do in Rochester that, (laughs) you know, that, that does, that does Buffalo any good. So, it, it, it kind of marked of being like a Swedish way of bringing along a young player where, you know, the, you look at the Swedish elite league, even in the Finnish in the Finnish league, young guys, if they make the big club, they stay on that team, you know, unless, you know, unless it just is not working out at all. But they stay on that team and they play very few minutes. They take their lumps. They, you know, they learn how to play at the pro level and they take care of business that way. And I think that's kind of how it worked with Tage last year. And, uh, he's a guy I'm fascinated to see how it's going to work. If what he learned last season comes through, because he, t- you know, he said at the end of, at the end of Rochester season, like I, you know, I got to learn how to be bigger. I need, I need to learn how to use my body more to get to the net. You know, the shot's great, but there's a, is like, there's a lot of other things I can be doing to score goals. And I think I learned that here. So we'll see if that works. Cause if a guy that big learns how to go to the net and to be stronger, cause I mean, he's, He's still figuring out how to use his body. His, right. I mean, he had like the massive growth spurt and, you know, he's really thin. But I mean, if he can be stronger and play bigger, holy cow. I mean, that, I mean, that's a guy who could be an instant difference maker, but people are so down on him. They're so like, you know, the, you know, it's the, the, the puck dangles where he turns the puck over and, you know, the, you know, missing shots wide and stuff like that. People get crazy about it. And to me, it's like, I, I get why scouts go crazy for guys like that. He's six six. He's got the monstrous shot. 
He's got the reach. I mean, he's he's probably the best guy with the stick defensively. I mean, the, the way he's able to strip pucks yeah. from guys and poke it away, he's incredible. But you, you you're just like put it together, man. Like yeah. get it together, and you could be an he could be an instant top nine answer for everything for that team. But can you do it? Like that's I think there's so many guys in this team. It's like yeah, they can do it, but can they do it? Cosmetically speaking, and let me preface this by saying I personally don't give a shit about stuff like this, but. The teasing of the new uniforms, the logos for the 50th anniversary. Does that move the needle for you? It's a big thing on Twitter, man. And people are yeah. always got images up there. They got an opinion, what they want, what they don't want. People are fighting about it on Twitter all the time. <laughs> does that stuff like that move the needle for you at all? It does. I mean, it, maybe it's just me. It does nothing at all for me. I don't give a shit what they look like. Score some goals, man. <laughs> uh, it used to be a huge thing for me. I, yeah. I've used, I, I know what it's for Chris. I've, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, I still have a huge jersey collection. Like yeah. I, that was that was my vice for so long, and I've stopped collecting because it's it's too expensive. And sure. I've got you know real bills to pay and and all that stuff. Right. So I've gotten out of it. Um, but I think it's your 50th anniversary. Go all out, man! Like go crazy with it. And I know that you know they've got it's a kind of checkered logo history. I mean, some people love the goat, others hate it. Everybody seems to hate the slug, even though. You know, that was, you know, one of their best teams played with that sweater on. Um, and everybody wants royal blue, to which everybody's right. Like, yeah. just just switch back to that. Make literally everybody in the world happier um, because that's the best looking thing. The navy blue is done with it. Don't need, I don't need navy blue anymore. <laughs> you don't need that. But like, just life. go back to the royals. And I think I think everybody's going to have their nights because I think for warm ups, we're going to see those old jerseys make a comeback in warm ups. And people are going to go bonk. The, the first night they wear the red and the black again. People are going to go absolutely apeshit seeing it. And it'll be the exact opposite when the slug jerseys <laughs> come out again for a warm up. And they're going to be like, I hope they do it against the team that we hate. <laughs> just, like, just get it out of the way. Yeah. Last two things I got for you, Amir. How, let me say that again. Last two things I got for you, and then we'll wrap this up. How do you feel about the Sabres goaltending situation this year based on what you saw last year with Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark, which was his first full season in the NHL? You know, not just us on this podcast, but just sports talk in general when it comes to the Sabres. We spend so much time talking about the forwards, the top six guys are not scoring enough. You know, the defense, who's going to be here, who's not going to be here, who's going to be on the same lines. We don't spend a lot of time talking about the goaltenders. It's not like that's not an important position. Mm-hmm. How do you feel right now about this team and the goaltending? I think, I think, I think they both benefit from this, the team cutting down shots in front of them. I think that's right. the biggest thing. Like, it, it, it's going to sound like I'm copping out on, on answering the question, but give me a competently played defense in front of those guys and let me see what they can do. Because we've, we've seen Carter Hutton be brilliant at times sure. and just totally own games and win, you know, win them a few games that they probably shouldn't have won, you know, especially early in the season. And I think with, with Linus, it's a, it's a big season for him. And he's got a lot to prove because you got UPL, who's going to be in Rochester this year, who's just waiting to rip down the door and take Does over. Does he excite you? Oh, UPL is um, immensely exciting. I He's a guy I cannot wait for him to be ready to go. I mean, he's, uh, he's coming off hip surgery, so he'll be playing in Rochester, you know, you know, late October, November, whatever it is. Um, but, I mean, the way I, when they signed Carter Hutton to a three-year deal, everybody said, oh, man, three years. I was like, I don't know. I was like, well, he's going to start year one, year two, depending on what Linus does. He'll probably split starts. Then year three, depending on what Linus does, maybe you either he either Hutton gets traded or Linus 
gets lost in the mix and UPL's there to learn on the job. Because to me, that, that's, that was the timeline is that UPL was going to be there by 2021. Mm-hmm. And it's just up for everybody else to have to deal with that. I think, I think he's, on that, he's on that path. He was so good in Sudbury last year. Um, I mean, he lost out in winning CHL Goalie of the Year award. He was the OHL Goalie of the Year by by leaps and bounds. He broke Sudbury records in like career records in one season. You know, he had six shutouts last year. That's the most of any Sudbury goalie ever, which is bonkers to me. I was like, have you ever had a goalie <laughs> in Sudbury? <laughs> but I mean, he was doing stuff last season that was just like unbelievable. I went to go watch him in St. Catharines uh, one afternoon and. Niagara outshot him like 26 to 10 in the first period. And they were only down one to nothing. Wow. One to nothing after the first. And I was like, okay, this is pretty special. And Sudbury comes out and like blows their doors off in the second period and kind of cruised. Ended up being like 5-3. It was a 5-3 win. But he had to make 51 saves. Yeah. Like there was no semblance of defense in front of him. And he just stood on his friggin' head all game. And I was like, okay, I get it now. I totally get why everybody goes nuts for him. And this is after he won gold at World Juniors. So, I mean, his season last year is like one of the more bonkers seasons for a 19-year-old goalie I can recall because Sudbury played no defense in front of him, like (laughs) like at all. And he had to to be perfect every game. And you you talked with with their coaches, their goalie coach and their head coach, and they were like, this kid changed the way we viewed goaltending up here. And I was like, okay. I was like, how were you thinking about it before? If like if it took this kid to just be like otherworldly, um, but I mean, I gotta you know I gotta pump the brakes on him because I I don't think he's an answer for him next season for Buffalo next season two years he's pushing for the number one job right. absolutely but as far as this season that defense plays well in front of these guys I think Carter Hutton can be can be excellent he's got the mindset he's just like kind of he's kind of the half crusty veteran where he just like everything rolls off his back and last season was so haywire with the number of chances he had to deal with that he was like he was just kind of like at his wits end at the year yeah. at the end of the year and you can understand why and he didn't get any help from Linus backing him up Linus's second half last year was horrible i mean he was geez like an 850 850 save percentage guy towards the end yeah, and it was just good. like you can't you know, don't worry that, you he, can't that, do he, that. He, that he fell apart on the back end. And don't get me wrong, the entire yeah. team fell apart as well. Yes. But also, I remember the year before that when he was in Rochester in the playoffs. It wasn't just his fault, but didn't he have a terrible playoff, the, yeah. the end, which was the end of that season two years ago? You know what, though? That was a Toronto team that won the Calder. <laughs> it won the Calder right, Cup. All right, fair enough. So, I'm, you know, I, I can give him a break on that. That's, that Marley's team was ridiculously loaded. And fair enough. And Linus played great the entire season. He was he was yeah. he was great all year. Getting rolled by a team that wins the title, I, that stuff happens. It's, it's yeah, them losing to Toronto this year in the playoffs was way more disappointing because yeah. they didn't score. They scored two goals the entire two or three goals the entire playoff. One, two, three goals. Like, you can't you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah, you're right. All right, last question here. Then we're gonna get out. Give me your premature forecast for this team right now. And mind you, you reserve the right, and I'm sure you will change your mind plenty of times between now, which is literally the first and second day of August, as opposed to the next couple months when you get to see them in camp and how the combinations look if they make some additions. But right now, let's just pretend it's opening night tomorrow. Uh, How do you feel about this team? For me personally, they definitely went out and they improved the defense. I like the defense better. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any question about that. But the offense, 
Did they really? How much better did they get by adding Marcus Johansson and, and Jimmy VC to the lineup? Is that enough for you to make you feel good about these forwards? I don't know that it does for me. What about you? I still have too many reservations about forwards. You know, I, I, you know, Eichel's brilliant. Skinner's great. Reinhardt's amazing. You know, I want to see Casey be, you know, just what he's, you know, what they've expected him to be. I want to see that. I think Johansson's a good addition. Um, I, I think VZ's a good add too because I think he he provides a different element of just a guy who hangs around the net. I think that that's something that they needed to address because there right. was not enough guys sure. that did that. Um, you know, no knock on Sam Reinhardt, but I don't want Sam Reinhardt to be the only guy that parks his butt in front of the net and tries to deflect goals or get rebounds. I, I need I need more guys doing that. Um, and you know, I think the the hope of Olafson is is a reason to be like. You know, it's an X factor. You know, the hope of Olsen, the you know, the maybe Tage Thompson can be a guy. You know, maybe Rasmus Asplund could steal a job in preseason. You know, may, make make the fans a little bit less upset about them keeping Johan Larson and Zemgus Girgensons. You know, different things to kind of calm things out. You know, Sherry has a has a bounce back season. It's it's hanging your hopes on a lot of things where you're like, maybe it can work out, and it's. Not being a Buffalo person, I don't like to get hung up on like nothing ever works out for us. Well, you know, you're saying because down in the mouth because like, it's Buffalo, right? All the time, yeah. But like, get a catch some breaks. Like some breaks have got to turn your way at some point, right? Like okay. some things have to go right eventually. Like it just can't always just collapse in on itself in a in a pile of sadness and, and moping. Like at certain points, like guys are just gonna have like above average seasons you know skinner had one last year you know he shot 20 percent for like 75 percent of the season and scored 40 great cool maybe it can happen again you know but um you know but you know maybe you get some of these guys to bust out i do like the defense additions i think the goaltending can be better i still think it's an 85 point team i think You've i think never that's where covered, you haven't covered the sabers in a playoffs game yet right no they haven't made the playoffs since i showed up and it was tank season number tank one Tank season <laughs> Number one, the, 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 it will be probably I got to eye watch. opening for you because someday <laughs> it's going to happen. Maybe before this is what episode one forty. Maybe before we have episode five thousand forty, the Sabers <laughs> will make the playoffs, and you're going to get to sit in that press box and cover a playoff game, and you'll really see how the city. Which kind of pisses me off. It's like you got to be good for the city to really get behind yeah. you that much. We saw but, it in November last yeah, year. Yeah, you did when they were hot. Absolutely, but when that happens and they get to that playoff. If they get to the playoff series, man, it's a completely different animal in Buffalo. That's something that I'm sure you'd be very much looking forward to covering. Yeah, I I, I just think about like when I started here, that first season was uh, right, started was. under Ron Ralston. It was the tank year, and, the first year. And it was Vanek being traded the yeah. night the night before Lindy Ruff's first game back after he was fired here with Dallas. Right. And right. I, my first reaction, mind you, I had only been here for less than a month. My first reaction was Darcy totally did this to take away from everybody paying attention to Lindy tomorrow morning because wow. that was always going to be about was about like, Lindy Ruff coming back and Darcy was still the GM. Yeah. And I was like, he totally like, this is how that that's how that trade happens. Like, how do you trade Vanek a month into the season? after you made him one of your captains, yeah. like him and Ott were your captains to start the year. And you're like, yeah, no, Vanek's gone. See ya. Like <laughs> what? Like, and the night before you play that, like, that's a tinfoil hat special for me, but a lot of that just smelled bad. And then, you know, a few weeks later, it's, you know, Ralston getting canned after they beat LA in a shootout. 
And that whole game, all of us on press row were looking at each other like, this is it. They're they're horrible. And then they get to over they they force overtime. Uh, and John Quick got hurt that game. So Ben Scrivens had to come in for the shootout, like came in for the overtime and the shootout. Uh, and then they win the shootout. And it was like, wow, cool. Little did we know that Darcy was already downstairs waiting to fight, waiting to fire Ralston wow. like that night. And oh, no, because Darcy got fired, too. So management already decided, like, these guys are out like that night. They it's already knew everybody's gone. It's an eventful start. First month and a half on the job, and the co-captain is traded. The coach and the GM are fired, and then it was Ted Nolan reunion time and yeah, Pat Lafontaine you, you brought time. the fireworks with you to Buffalo. It was an insane first year, and then the next year was, you know, the the fail for Eichel season or fail for McDavid season, yeah. and that just the zone fee. It's its own fiasco. So it was just first two seasons on the beat, and it's you get thrown that in your maw, and it's like wow. Incredible. <laughs> well, sooner or later, it'll turn around for you, man. You will cover a Sabres playoff game one day. All right, we're going to wrap this up. I want to thank one more time the Essex Street Pub being gracious host, man. Really good to us. Gave us a nice recording spot in the back. They turned the jukebox down a little bit for us. I've heard a couple of sh- from the bartender to a couple <laughs> of the patrons there keeping it a little quiet so it doesn't get too out of hand with all the ambient noises here. This is a great place, man. I really enjoy it a lot. Good area. Good people nice place so thank you again Essex Street Pub and thank you again Joe Yurden from The Athletic if you're not doing it right now shoot him a follow on Twitter at Joe Yurden and of course check out The Athletic dude you always got good subscription specials going on I got a whole year I, when I got mine I only paid like $36 that was for the whole year it was like we, $3 a month if you do it for the whole year we, we got another one now it's uh, like I think it's I should have the URL committed to memory but it's uh, like an NHL off season deal where it's 40% off sign up That's now you get good. Forty percent off. I mean, it's sixty bucks for a year, anyways. Knocking, it's worth like, it. It's, it's worth completely it. worth it. I'm not patronizing here. I'm being dead serious. It's worth it if there's zero percent off, man. It, it, it's a steal. Yeah, it really is. Great writers, not just in Buffalo, by the way. I'm talking about the whole national market. Mm-hmm. You get everything. You subscribe, you get everything. You get yeah. Ken Rosenthal. You get Jason Stark. You get them all, man. It's a, it's it's, it's awesome. so good. I only wish the baseball trade deadline was more fun. Yeah, but at least those guys got to empty out the bag, sounding off about how bad it was and how right. baseball needs to fix itself. Yeah, good. Other sports have problems. <laughs> Thanks for doing the show, Joe. I appreciate you. You got it. All right. That is going to do it for this episode. Big, big thank you again to Joe Yurden from The Athletic. I'll tell you, I'm really glad that I got an opportunity to meet Joe. Really cool dude, man. Be able to sit down with him at a table, grab two mics, hit the on button on the recorder and just start rapping. That was really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. So thank you, Joe. Also, big thank you to the Essex Street Pub. If you haven't been there yet, get get your ass down to the West Side, man. You gotta you gotta check out the Essex Street Pub. It's such a cool bar. Good tradition, good drinks, good food. I'm gonna be honest with you though, man. I always am. If you're a wing guy and you like your wings really crispy, you're not gonna like these wings. Don't bother. Save your money because. They're not crispy, they're baked, and you probably won't like them, but they got a lot of good stuff on their menu. And they also have a smoker that they use from time to time. So really cool food there, great drinks, cool bartender, great jukebox, good people. Got a patio when it's nice out for the front. There's just so much love about that bar. So thank you again, Essex Street Pub. Coming up next week, I'm still in Buffalo. The workcation continues. 
The Wing Tour continues. I will be with Tim Graham for next Tuesday's episode. And then next Friday, I'm going to have Eric Wood on as well. So really excited about that. If you would like to come out to one of those tapings, say hello to me, say hello to Tim or to Eric. Follow me on Twitter at Pamarin Tweets. I will have dates, times, and locations for those tapings. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. I truly appreciate each and every single one of you who take time out of your day to listen to this podcast, not just once, but twice a week. Thank you. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.